Hey guys, this is episode three of Cards with Cats, and today we're going to be talking about uh, tips and tricks on how to succeed in third year of med school, clinical rotations, and in general. Third year med school was probably my least favorite, uh, maybe not my least favorite, but the most challenging, I should more accurately say. You finally finish studying for step uh, one, and you have a lot of great knowledge, and then you have to go and apply it, and it can be extremely challenging. You have to go rotate through every single different type of specialty. You have to get used to all the different routines, and then when you finally get used to it, you're thrown into a new specialty, and you have to start over all over again. I think that current med students are going to have even more pressure applied to them with the recent change of step one going past fail. So maybe less so for current med students, but once that step one eventually goes past fail, there's going to be even more added pressure to making step two CK uh, your score even more valuable. And I know that as a Caribbean med student, we were encouraged to try and get step two on our application. And we and I took it a little bit earlier so that I could include it on my application. I don't know. I can't predict the future, but I can only anticipate that as residency becomes more and more competitive every single year, that step two CK is going to be the new step one, where unfortunately, the reality of the situation is that people are going to be looking at program directors going to be looking at step two in a way to weed people out. So on top of succeeding in your clinical rotations, in the back of your mind, you're also going to be having to study for step two. So that brings me to my first point, And that is that at uh, you got to study for your shelf exams like you're studying for step two. I think this applies to studying for if you're pre-med and you're studying for the MCAT. When you're in intro bio, you got to study it and understand it so you can apply it on the MCAT. And when you're studying in uh, first and second year med school, you got to study like you're studying for the step one. Similarly, obviously the shelf exams, you want to succeed so you can get high honors and, and get good grades. But at the end of the day, the most important thing in my mind is studying that information and using that study time when you're studying for the shelf, which is specialty specific. You know, when you're in internal medicine rotation, you got to take that shelf exam. You want to study as if you're studying for step two. So don't just study it in order to remember it and purge, but start using that as a time to go into whatever resource you use, first aid, um, and create your primary study resource so you can go back at a future time and use it to study for step two. Um, brings me to number two, which is you have to actively continue to actively study, but you got to find a new way to do so. I know for me, when I was studying for step one, it was easy, but I would I take that back. It's never easy to study for step one, but all that I was doing was going to class and going home and studying. And eventually for me, I know that I had some time before my clinical rotation started. So I had some dedicated study time and it was great. I would wake up, study, work out, eat, study, study some more, wash, rinse, repeat. Whereas in your third year in your clinicals, you're actively seeing patients in the hospital or in clinic five days a week, mostly. And then on top of that, you have to go home and study some more. And that is kind of the similar transition, what happens in residency and fellowship. And as an attending, you're never going to probably have dedicated study time or, or as much study time as you did your first year and second year of med school, and that slowly declines. And you're going to have to kind of learn to use your patients as study material, use each case to study. And you're going to have to still go home and watch lectures and figure out 
the knowledge gaps that you have, but you're all and also learn all the minutiae that you never see in real life, but have to know for the test. So it's it you have to kind of figure out uh, you you probably figured out how to study in med school by now, but now you have to throw in that added challenge of also having a full plate of clinical rotations and then having to go home and study. This brings me back to one of my other original points is you got to, uh, from my last episode is don't get lost in medicine, you know, continue to try to take care of yourself, take an afternoon off once a week, you will burn yourself out if all you do is focus on med school, don't get me wrong, I think you should treat it like a full time job, but just like any job, you got to take a day off on the weekend, even if you do a, a full day of studying you got to take some time for yourself, focus on your own health, uh, physically and mentally. Now getting into the actual clinical rotations, it, um, you know, it's tough to give general advice for every single specialty because every single specialty is so unique. You know, what you need to do to succeed in general surgery is very, it might be a little bit similar to obstetrics and gynecology, but might be a, a similar, but very different than psychology or pediatrics. In general, you got to find a resource that works for you. I never liked the idea of having massive textbooks for every single specialty. Pastana's notes for general surgery. That's like the gold standard. And there's a few for each one. Talk to your peers, talk to people ahead of you, talk to the residents and figure out what those resources are. I think you still need to, unfortunately, learn for the test. I know that every attending I've ever had who's a little bit more old school says, you know, you don't need to do practice questions and study. Your patients are the quizzes. And that's true. But you still got to study for the test. So don't forget to continue to do those practice questions, find gaps in your knowledge, and find some primary resources in order to go and study for them and study that information. Um, when it comes to patient care, I, I think that the best thing you can do is, I guess this is point number four and a half, is get your reps in. Um, you know, you can learn, I've said this before, you can read about a push-up all you want, but you eventually got to go and do the work. So, um, part of it is taking the knowledge that you've had and applying it. And, it, you know, I think that as you progress in medicine, there's a big difference between the first time you treat a patient with pneumonia and then the 10th time you treat someone with pneumonia, you learn a little, the medicine and the names of the medicines and the doses and the complications that you have to look at and the other long-term things for for discharge planning, all those things start to build up on each other. And that's even different from the hundredth patient you've treated for pneumonia. And I'm sure it changes even more and it becomes even more innate when it's the thousandth patient you've seen. So even though you might have, you know, already seen a patient with pneumonia on that clinical rotation, use this as an opportunity. You know, sometimes the residents and even in fellowship will try to be like, all right, you've already seen one heart attack patient. Let's give you an AFib, a patient with AFib. Let's give you a patient with heart failure. Because we want you to get a taste of each of the core bread and butter things. But once you start repeating them, <clears throat> just, just remember, like in residency and in life, it's not like, like someone's going to say like, oh, you've already seen it, had a pneumonia patient today. Oh, let's not give you another. You know, you're going to, you might see five patients with pneumonia in one day. So if that starts happening where, unfortunately, sometimes the variety might not be that great, but, you know, in every single uh, rotation is different. But you got to use those opportunities where you see the same diagnosis to start compounding your knowledge. Don't worry about the names of the drugs. Like you don't need to go and study that. Just repetition and getting your reps in, it'll become a little bit more second nature. But every single time you see the patient, try to start thinking about, you know, 
it's easy in training when you're a resident, even sometimes as a fellow, to maybe not cross all the T's, dot all the I's, because you know there's someone over looking your looking over your shoulder, both a resident and fellow, and the attending finally. But I, I encourage you to try to act like your patient's doctor. Uh, because taking that responsibility, I, I think, really adds another onus of uh, pressure in your head if you need it, which really will push you to treat the patient as a whole and not just the little thing that you're looking at. Um, I guess for my point number five is uh, similarly, when you're talking to your patient, the way that I always introduce myself was, hi, I'm student Dr. Katz. You don't need to go into a long, large spiel of I'm the medical student. You could say I'm student Dr. Katz. Other people would say, hi, I'm the medical student on this team. I'll be helping take care of you. Whatever the cocktail is, just get that script under your, under your belt so that it's a little bit smoother when you're introducing yourself to patients. And what I tell my residents uh, uh, and med students when we're, when we're rounding is I want you to try and make a decision. And what I mean by that is if, you know, I'm going to use pneumonia again as an example, if you are talking to a patient and you finally get a good history and physical and the patient finally says to you, so like, all right, student Dr. Katz, um, what's the plan? What are we doing here? It's perfectly okay for you to say, I think that based on your symptoms, these are the possibilities. You likely have a pneumonia, but there's some other things that we have to look into. Pausing from that script, I normally acknowledge at some point, I'm the student here, I'm a medical student. So what I'm gonna do is confirm what I communicated, what we talked about with my resident or fellow, as well as with our attending physician on rounds. And we will confirm the plan with you later today. So basically take ownership, introduce yourself as student doctor or whatever. When you talk to your patient, tell them what you think. You can acknowledge your deficiencies or lack of certainty. And I think that that helps build the relationship with your patient. When you simply say like, I think you have pneumonia, but I want to communicate with my attending physician in order to confirm your diagnosis. I normally include that the last thing I want to do is besides treat you incorrectly is give you the wrong information. So I, I think that at least helps bring full circle the fact that, you know, the patient ends up telling the story you know, to five people, three people in the emergency, you know, what if there's an emergency emergency medicine med student and then emergency medicine resident and emergency medicine physician, and then you do that again for the uh, internal medicine team, and then maybe there's another team that is consulted, you know, the patient ends up communicating with so many people, and they end up saying like, I don't know, was that the, the gray-haired doctor or the woman with the long blonde hair? It, it at least pulls together that when you all walk into the room, I, I think a sign of like making a great connection with your, with your patient is when your attending's talking to them, they kind of end up like looking at you like, is this, is this, this is, this is the boss that you were talking about, right? So I always acknowledge like, hi, I'm student Dr. Katz. Let me, uh, this is what I think, and this is what I want to do, but let me confirm that with my attending physician. I don't want to give you any misinformation or wrong information. So that's what I think we want to do, but let's confirm it with, with our uh, attending. I normally joke and say, I need to talk to my boss. And I normally stop myself and my, one of my bad resident fellow trainee jokes is you're my boss because we all answer to our patients, but my boss is my attending physician. So let me confirm that information with him or her 
and I'll get back to you. Um, number five piece uh, tip is that you as the, and, and you'll hear this a lot, is as a medical student, you're only going to be given, you know, two patients, three patients, because you need to get um, your, your foundations in. You need to be able to collect the appropriate history, take an appropriate physical, look at the appropriate labs, think about what you want to order, look at the appropriate studies that have been done already, be able to interpret them and come up with a coherent assessment and plan, and then not just type it up, but also regurgitate it out during a presentation. So I think that you need to remember that the goal of eventually is gonna be that intern year when you're a doctor, you're gonna be given uh, at sign out, here's eight patients, they're yours. Of course, you still have your resident, you're still in training, no one's ever gonna say like, oh, good luck. But my point is, is that we should be titrating you up slowly. You know, start off with two patients. Once you get the foundations of building those uh, the history and everything that I already communicated about, they'll give you another one. And then hopefully eventually, once you get to like the end of your third year, beginning of your fourth year, once you're especially going to be going into a, a ramp, going into specialties where you're really interested in potentially going into, because by the end of your third year, beginning of your fourth year, you should be making your fourth year schedule, looking at letters of rec for uh, application season, but also for sub eyes or sub internships in the specialties that you want to go into. So hopefully in the beginning of fourth year, you've collected enough skills to be able to coherently go into a patient's room and, and be, a, be a sufficient fourth year. So the expectations for a fourth year is different than a third year. And hopefully with time and with those repetitions and with studying, you'll get there over time. Just trust the process. I always felt overwhelmed the first week because there, you know, I might be good at taking us. I, I, my first rotation was psychiatry and then general surgery. And it was like two different complete trains of thought. And I felt lost for the first week or two. But eventually, if you just talk with your resident, your residents, hopefully they'll be a valuable resource. And if you're struggling, talk to your attendings as well. Um, you know, hopefully they can at least give you strong feedback. Brings me to my point number six, maybe five, somewhere around there, is hopefully my favorite residents, fellows, attendings were ones that set expectations and gave feedback. So early in the, uh, um, ho hopefully your attending will do this for you. Hopefully your residents will say, hey, these are my expectations for you. I expect you to be here at seven so that we can pre-round and have you present to me at eight so that we can talk to the attending by nine and then round and so forth, follow up. One of the best things that you can do is just say in the beginning of the week, hey, are you, you know, communicate with your resident or attending. Are you gonna be the attending or resident all week? Confirm that and ask like, hey, I'm gonna be here all week. I, we'll be working together. Do you mind like late on Friday? Can you give me feedback on how I do? You gotta work this delicately because just like asking questions, you, you don't wanna just say this and look like a gunner. Like it, it could come off just a little weird and, and hopefully you didn't lose all your social interactions, ability to interact socially in your first and second year. And you just gotta play it by ear. You know, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but you want to at least look like you're ready to go. Uh, you just don't want to be kind of that annoying student um, who's asking questions for the sake of asking questions. You know, I think that brings me to point number seven is you should be asking questions on rounds with your resident, with your whoever it is, because you're unsure of that information and you want to know uh, uh, more about the treatment or, or, or whatever it is that they're talking about. 
one of the easiest things that I always did on my, I remember on my cardiology rotation, one of the ways that I got a letter of recommendation is we would be reviewing my patient's EKG. And I, you know, has anyone, I can't be the only person who's ever reviewed an EKG and been like, oh, I wish I just had a cardiologist to ask, like, is this normal or am I thinking into it too much? Just ask questions that come up that you're wondering about. You don't need to ask questions for the sake of asking questions because we know when you're doing it. So if you're just showing up and uh, 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 asking questions to try to make yourself look good, you know, asking questions that you know the answer to, uh, we kind of see through that. But I, I think a great way for you to learn and also look good and hope in the hopes of maybe getting a future letter of recommendation is asking questions so that you can learn more. Um, brings me to point number eight or nine <laughs> is write things down. Like I can't even remember if I was on point eight or nine. Um, what I always frustrated me is I would articulate myself on my notes very well, but then I would, I wouldn't want to write all that down again because that's doubling your work. So what I would do is type up my notes and just print it out. That way you don't have to type it up in the, into your, into the computer if you're allowed to, and then also have to write it down. You're, you're, you're wasting your own time if you do that, but at least that way you can have the information in front of you when you're presenting on rounds. Uh, my point number nine is when you're presenting on rounds, I like to think of it kind of like uh, not entertainment, but, and you don't wanna be dramatic, but you, you, you wanna put on a show. And when you're communicating with the team, remember that you're, you're talking directly to the attending physician, the resident who's presumably also seeing the patient is going to be listening because it's that patient that they're also treating. And they want to make sure that everyone's on the same page, but everyone else around, you know, on, on the teams that I would be in, there would be like two other med students, three, you know, there's a big team of us. And it gets really boring when you just have to listen to someone else's uh, presentation and you're not involved. So at least try to communicate clearly, enunciate, be, you don't have to be loud, but if you're standing on the other side of the circle of people, everyone should be able to hear you. Look up from your notes every once in a while, give them like a, you know, acknowledge everyone, just like when you're giving a good speech, that takes some practice, but that's what I like to do. I think that's more of above and beyond, uh, you know, no one else will probably notice that, but if you're ever rounding with me, I'll notice. Um, point number 10. Uh, is an easy one, which is kind of annoying, but keep your cell phone in your pocket. Uh, this is more so when you're rounding. I know 100%. You might have Epic, the electronic medical record, open on your phone. You might have be taking notes. You might be looking something up on up to date. I 100% agree that often when you're using your phone, you're using it for what you're doing in the moment. But if you're not the one presenting and you, you know, your attending looks over to you and they see you just on your phone, they might not stop the person presenting to say like, hi, Mark, can you uh, get off your phone and stop texting people? You know, we're, we're in rounds. It just looks bad. And I, I, I wish there was an easier way. What I normally do when I'm rounding with people and I'm looking at the electronic medical record, I'll literally say, hold on one second. I'm, I'm looking at the, the EMR on my phone and I'll literally turn it around so that not to, not to say like, ooh, look, here's proof that I'm not lying and I'm not texting people. But at least just acknowledges, hey, I'm going to be looking at my phone and I'm paying attention to everything that's happening around us. 
Um, especially with nowadays where I know that I was a student who had my iPad with me so that when there was downtime, I could be doing new world, reading about my patient, whatever it may be. But unfortunately, it just looks kind of bad when you have your phone out. Um, last thing that I'll say are the basics. Show up on time. Look interested. Like it, I was in general surgery and I hated it. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. But I would at least fake it a little bit and try to learn something from every patient. You know, even if you're going into surgery and you're on, you're on internal medicine, you can learn about antihypertensives, beta blockers, cholesterol medications, what to do in the peri and post-operative state from the internal medicine side. Every patient that you see is an open book test and they have the answers as long as you ask the right questions and you listen. So at the end of the day, third year of med school, you're paying to be there. I may not have uh, been the best med student all the time, but you're paying to be there. You should get your money's worth. I understand wanting to leave and just go home and lay down and take a nap or go exercise, whatever else it is. But try to show up, try to have fun a little bit um, and try to learn something new every day. Even if you're not studying for hours every day, I as a fellow sometimes don't have the energy after a 30 hour call to like read a chapter of mitral regurgitation, but I can read a few pages of notes from up to date or from a textbook. So as long as you're doing a little bit every day, consistency is better than doing huge chunks at a time. Show up, look interested, be helpful, and uh, unfortunately figure out how to use the fax machine because we still use those. Drop any comments if you want one, uh, an episode like this about a specific uh, specialty and how to succeed, I'd be happy to invite on a guest from a specific specialty. Uh, I know that I can comment on internal medicine and cardiology, heart failure, electrophysiology, but it might be great if someone's really interested in surgery or psychiatry, getting the nitty gritty details on things that attendings and other residents like to see from their medical students and specific you know, medical histories and questions that you might wanna be asking your patients. Until then, see you guys next time.